0: Welcome to the Trou- Happy Troublemakers Podcast. Happy afternoon, morning, evening to all of you great Americans. Uh, this is episode number two. Uh, very excited uh, to be here with uh, my co-host, Zach. How's it going, Zach?
1: It's a beautiful day. Beautiful day
0: it, to make it trouble. It is a beautiful day to make, some, uh, to make some trouble. Very excited. Today we have uh, an interview with uh, Joe Neville, who's the vice president of uh, at the National Association for Gun Rights, an operation that obviously both of us know very well, and and Joe is a is a long uh, personal friend of both of us. So it was really uh, really good to visit with him, and I thought he had some really excellent um, things to say. So I'm I'm looking forward to sharing that with everybody. You're here, great um, to
1: have I, uh, a guy like Joe carry on the work.
0: It is it is great to know that Joe. Uh, and And many of those uh, those folks over there are manning the the bulwarks for for our second amendment uh, rights and we 'll certainly um, get into that a little bit there 's been in the news again with uh, with uh, President Biden, but kind of wanted to to lead off um, with some uh, it 's easy to sort of have some schadenfreude about uh, about the vice president um, <laughs> there announced today that Michael <laughs> Fuchs who is uh, 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 the 11th aide now to leave her office in, in just over a year. Um, some in the mass media are calling it an exodus of, uh, <laughs> of people from her office. Um, uh, you know, it, I, I think it, it's easy to kind of dunk on, on, uh, vice president Harris and it, it's certainly enjoyable for us, uh, conservatives and us in the business to, to, to poke at them. But I, you know, the, the, Interesting thing about this to me is a, is a reminder, uh, a lesson, and we can find the lessons, um, uh, folks like us and, and the, the grassroots um, leaders who are listening, you know, can find some, uh, th- there are leadership lessons all over the place, as long as we're keeping our antenna up um, and looking out for them, right? And, and this I think is underscores how important it is for us uh, conservatives to take care of our people. Um, I, I really think, and, and one of the things that I always stress in our trainings, as we do across the country, is that our people, um, our grassroots supporters, they are the most important resource that we have, um, in the conservative movement, in the liberty movement. Uh, and you gotta take care of, of your people, right? Um, you know, these are, we have, uh, the distinct people advantage when it comes to the, the battle with the establishment. The, the establishment may have a, a monetary advantage, but we have, um, we have the people, um, and it really I think uh, underscores how important those folks are, and that we need to be taking uh good care of them um, out on out on the campaign trails Zach.
1: well, it is, and the importance of having uh having a life outside the office is vital <laughs> um, yes <laughs> um, the The reality is that politics uh, especially if you are involved in grassroots based um trying to save liberty style politics mm-hmm. it can be all-consuming because it feels like the stakes are so high and you know what right. the stakes are high they are um, but um no one person is going to find the magic bullet that slays the evil federal beast that's right and returns to america to 1776. <laughs> um the the problem is that i'm not sure we want to return to 1776 um, there was no golden age. It was the same then than it is now. You have more people who are in politics who uh, loved liberty. That is certainly true. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have the same problems. You have the same interpersonal issues. You have the fact that at one point the vice president of the United States shoots and kills the, <laughs> the secretary of the treasury I mean, in a duel. <laughs> and that's how Alexander Hamilton dies. Um, the uh, So... I think it's very important to have enough perspective to recognize that um, these events are in the hands of God. That is Mm -hmm. what our founders said. If we want to go back to 1776, then let's recognize um, that they believed in the hand of divine protection and in Mm -hmm. the sovereignty of God. Uh, And they would often say the event is in the hand of God, meaning we will do what we can do and we will leave the results up to divine providence, up to God himself. That great uh, quote that's
0: attributed to to uh, Quincy Adams um, about the the duty is ours, but the results are God's. Right? That's that's kind that's of right. that thinking.
1: In fact, that can be attributed and often is attributed to multiple people throughout mm-hmm. American history, and therefore, some people like to cast some shade on it. Um, the reality is the exact opposite. It was such a common saying that you can you can pull it from a hat almost. Um, there are multiple founding fathers. And right up through the American Civil War, individuals who, who invoked that clause. Um, and so that's absolutely, I think that's at the, that's what's at the core of remaining sane. Mm-hmm. It's not up to you. You really right. can't just do fix everything. If you stayed up all night, every night for the next 20 years, you still wouldn't be able to fix the problem. That's so right. Let's get real about it and recognize uh, how, this, how that God really does mm-hmm. reign from his throne.
0: <laughs> but uh, you know that's not to make light of the of the work, right? It is our all. duty to do the work. I, I remember many many moons ago when I was getting started um, on uh, Marilyn Musgrave's campaign. Um, you know, she was in a in a targeted seat up here in in northern Colorado, and we uh, were really in the thick of it in September and October. And there was a family uh, who drove up. From Colorado Springs, mm. which is no small small trip. it was you know probably two and a half hour drive one way, um, they would drive up uh, three days a week um, and they had nine, nine kids and they would come in and they would do whatever we wanted. Um, they would stuff mail they would make phone calls um, at one point I think the the younger kids vacuumed the office and cleaned the windows which <laughs> uh, which was a, a an important thing for Maryland. Um, um, but yeah. I, I was astounded by the, this, this dedication to, to mm-hmm. principle and, and, you know, they stayed up for the final week before the election. And that, those last 90, 96 hour period, we, we found a place for them to stay and they were able to, um, be on the ground for us. Um, but, but that is the kind of, of dedication that really is important for, um, our candidates, for our people to really, to, to recognize that. Um, that they do have people who who support them not just because of their biographies or who they are but because of the the ideals and the principles that they're that they're fighting for and they're willing to to, to sacrifice and give of their time and their efforts um, and that it's really important that our our folks our candidates um, remember to recognize um, and obviously Marilyn was was great about coming in and thanking and talking with those people and We always feed and feed and water the volunteers, right? Um, that's right. uh, Just, just like their house plans, but that I think is a, is real, a real important part of, of the work. And if you, you know, you are involved in a campaign that, that maybe isn't helping, uh, isn't recognizing you and isn't putting you to work, um, you should ask a little bit more forcefully, uh, or maybe find, uh, find a campaign that will put you to work, right?
1: Yes. You know, and, and work isn't just we've talked about this before, but work isn't just, yay, I put up a yard sign, slapped a bumper sticker on my car, you know, <laughs> there we did our yeah. job. Uh, it really, you're not getting much done. Um, no. ac- participating in actual voter contact where you are uh, delivering information to someone who's verified as a likely voter. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're actually uh, changing the outcome. We're actually moving the needle. Um, so, yes, you should look for opportunities to do that and seek out the campaigns that will have you do that or help the ones you care about do it.
0: You mean the for knocking sure. on the doors is more important than waving signs in the middle of an intersection at 3 o'clock? In the oh, afternoon? Waving
1: signs. Oh, <laughs> I can't tell you how much I hate, 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 hate the, uh, the whole sign waving thing. I won't say I hate campaigns that do it. There are campaigns that I love that have to go out and wave signs because the candidate loves it. But uh, I do make them confess that they are—they are, uh, they are uh, simply uh, participating in, in scratching an itch. It doesn't actually get anything done. They're like, "Oh, but people honk." <laughs> is a That's honk of vote?
0: I, I'm I'm confused in my twenty-something yeah. <laughs> years in politics. I, is a honk a vote now?
1: <laughs> but it shows they have support. That's right. Among whom? Why does it? Why would you care about being supported people by people who can't or won't vote? So what? Big deal. Why right. does it matter? they well, people, you know, Great. It makes
0: you feel better. That's right. And the people who don't vote, which is always something that, that I like to talk about in our trainings. And I know you do too, is that the, you know, if you don't vote, if you, you don't show up on election day to vote you, or you're not registered to vote, you don't, you don't matter in the American uh, political system. And, and we don't need to bother talking to you because you don't care.
1: Well, yeah, there's the, there's that side of it. And then there's also the side of it that you literally don't matter. It does not matter. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, the campaign should not spend its waste, its time talking to people who either can't or won't vote because that means you're not talking to people who can and won't. Right. Um, There's only so much time and it is always extremely limited. Making the main Mm -hmm. thing, the main thing in a campaign is the main thing. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's about. (laughs) That's so what it's
0: about. the, 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 under the takeaway for that is all the campaign folks out there who are listening, take care of your volunteers. All right. <laughs> That's
1: right. And cl- you know what? Clean the office, vacuum the floor, <laughs> wash the windows and take the freaking garbage out.
0: The, the make the, make the office a place that people um, want to go, right? You, you if have if it is a, a dingy dungeon, yes. they're not going to want to go.
1: Walk in there. And it smells like three day old pizza. You know how many campaign offices I was in one this weekend. You walk in there (laughs) and you're like, garbage needs to be dumped, guys. I know we're all super busy, but you know what? You have volunteers in here begging for jobs and you're too busy to tell them, oh, hey, would you help me by cleaning the office? It's a really important part. Explain that it's important and let them do it. And they will be glad mm to.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Everyone Um, except the the few males who can't smell. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, so that that was something uh, interesting in the news. I wanted to to kind of draw everybody's attention to. You found um, some stuff went down in in Sacramento uh, this past weekend.
1: Unfortunately, yeah, and sadly, another uh, a mass shooting happened uh, late in the evening as bars were closing. Looks like it was about two a.m. Twenty six year old uh, with a violent uh, criminal record with an ill-prohibited so possessed person. handgun. A prohibited person with a stolen handgun. So. We have, we've broken two anti-gun laws just out of the gate, mm-hmm. uh, two gun control laws, never mind the fact that they're committing murder, which, by the way, is also illegal. Um, it's not legal to shoot people in the street, even if there isn't a law that says you can't own one of those nasty guns that would allow you to shoot people in the street. And right. so it's such a classic example. Uh, it is a tragedy. It is horrific. It is horrific. That people would be out um, enjoying their city um, and would be shot in the streets. Uh, but unfortunately, this particular shooter was able to um, hit at least 12 people before he was stopped, wow. um, killing six of them. And the only reason he was able to get that far and get off at least 12 shots, almost certainly more, is because no one else was armed. Right. Largely because they were probably going from bar to bar. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you shouldn't be armed if you're going to go out for a night of drinking. Um, but in a free society, someone would have had a gun. Um, Unfortunately, uh, this
0: was in California, which is the Communist Republic, yep. right?
1: In the uh, Communist city. And uh, look, I'll admit that they're more conservative in Sacramento than there are in many other parts of the state. Mm, certainly. But the government of Sacramento still feels it necessary to join um, Bloomberg's Mayors Against Guns, or whatever they call themselves now, um, and I know we just looked that up to verify, you know, the, the old mayors against guns, they had a list of mayors and they were all <laughs> members and at the national association for gun rights, we gave them such a hard time and beat the daylights out of them so much that they unpublished the list of mayors who were members of mayors <laughs> because it became a campaign issue for them. It was wildly unpopular to be a member, uh, but they still do have, um, I, f- I forget exactly what they call it now, but cities It's on the, of this the every
0: town, uh, Every town, right. um, uh, what do they call it? <laughs> coalition members in Sacramento is a coalition right. member of, of right. every town.
1: You have to hand to them. That is such good branding. Million yeah. Mom March, every town. They're wrapping themselves in the flag and sleeping in it every night.
0: Their, their logo for every town now is literally stripes to make it look like a red, white, and blue flag. So they can evil. Uh, borrow the <laughs> the imagery of, uh, of this country, which was, uh, founded uh, certainly at the um, Lexington and Concord, where the the British came to confiscate the the military weapons of the colonists. Privately owned. Uh, Privately owned military weapons.
1: These were not, um, and that's the thing, right? In uh, Lexington and Concord, the Americans even turned to obey the command to disperse, but they refused to obey the command to lay down your arms, surrender your mm-hmm. firearms, privately held. We're not even going to talk about whether or not they had the authority to take the, uh, you know, the city owned gunpowder and cannon. Right. Um, <laughs> it's just, you can just get down to give me your private firearms and, and they got mm-hmm. shot and killed over walking off the field with their private firearms. So yeah. In, uh, in Massachusetts, um, ironically. So, so, so what have, is, go ahead. Now we have President Biden, of course, he had to do something uh-huh. about this shooting, right? And Naturally. And never, never miss an opportunity to exploit a crisis. That's right. These guys circle uh, mass shootings like vultures. And mm-hmm. before you, almost before you can get the victims to the hospital, they're making pronouncements uh, demanding the very gun control that caused the shooting in the first place. Um, Biden had this to say, and I quote, we will also continue to call on Congress to act ban ghost guns, require background checks for all gun sales, ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines, repeal manufacturers immunity from liability, pass my budget proposal, which would give cities more of the funding they need to fund the police. Oh, that's interesting. And fund the crime prevention and intervention strategies that can make our cities safer. These are just a few of the steps Congress urgently needs to save, Take needs to take to save lives.
0: Wait, I thought, uh, I thought we were opposed to the police and and funding them (laughs) Uh, and and the the strategies for safer cities, which involve the police. That's interesting. They've kind of walked that one back.
1: Well, yeah. And then and then we're saying we need less guns. So let's put let's give cities uh, money to buy more guns. Right. So it's not about guns themselves. Government doesn't care. In fact, they they are strongly pro-gun when it comes to them controlling the guns. Right. Um, it's I, We say it so much that it's it, to me, it's a cliche. It's wearying to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently we have to. I also love the fact that he tipped his hand on uh, why we should all oppose uh, the, uh, the next continuing resolution or whatever uh, unholy form they decide to put to drop the budget into. That is uh, a it's going to have a ton of gun control in it. That is a
0: great, uh, a great find there, Zach. The, particularly the budget question. That's, uh, um, you know, sneaking stuff into the, these continuing resolutions, these omnibuses is a classic technique of the establishment on both parties, to be clear. Um, but is a classic technique for putting stuff that's not palatable to most of the voters into a sandwich of garbage that maybe, uh, certain lesser spined, uh, members of Congress and, and senators feel they have to vote for similar and to also, Planned yep. Parenthood funding has been snuck in, uh, under Trump in right. 2018 into the, to the omnibus. And then, and then re- as recently as, as uh, a couple months ago, there was red flag legislation and, and diversity CRT yep. training for the military, um, in the, in the, the most recent NDLA. CR. Yeah. yeah Yep. And some Republicans voted for it. Uh, some didn't, and some sort of saw through, um, you know, the re- the red flag questions, particularly with the when it pertains to the to the military. But um, the, you know, you know the there are a lot of them. Is...
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, there's just a lot
0: of them that that uh, uh, seem to not care, or they take their marching orders from from leadership rather than bothering to to read the bills.
1: Really was only the, uh, the the faithful. You might have had a few who don't always vote right who joined Andy Biggs mm-hmm. and Tom Massey and Paul Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene, right, Lauren Boebert to vote right. Um, these are the people who are going to vote right. And there'll be there'd be a few I haven't I forgot to mention there. Probably mm-hmm. Jim Jordan, um, even though Jim made the mistake of endorsing a puke like <laughs> Doug Lamborn. Yes, Sorry, Jim, <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a stinker. Um, Love you, but that was a really bad idea. Um, and Lamborn guys,
0: in the 5th in the District of Colorado um, yes, did who, vote for the Omnibus and voted for the Planned Parenthood funding in
1: 2018. Yep.
0: yep. So, Full disclosure, I, I, I uh, am very uh, <laughs> proud to work with his uh, primary opponent, Dave Williams, who is a, a great American state representative. Um, he is. A plug for Dave. He, uh, he took uh, 74% of the delegate vote at the Uh, 5th Congressional District Assembly. So he'll be the top line uh, on the primary ballot uh, with the grassroots endorsement of the Republican Party from uh, the 5th District. So that's that's fun.
1: Well, it's fun. And you see people, you know, Doug was smart enough. He's the type of person who often votes for, um, you know, whatever. uh, Mm, there's a term called the conserve or the constructive Republican Alternative Proposal. You can work it out that the acronym is, um, but it's crap. Um, so uh, there goes our our G rating. Luke. Yeah. Um, but there, so Doug is Doug Lamborn's the type of person who's voted for that kind of uh, crap in many time many times in the past. Mm-hmm. Um and. Now was smart enough to vote against the NDAA, um, if I'm recalling correctly. I'm pretty sure he voted against it because of the red flag um requirements in the bill. Now I you could double check that and make sure I'm But requ- well, he, he
0: did vote for the red flag stuff previously.
1: Did he? Yes. <laughs> so he, he didn't see that one coming. Uh no. seeing that's exactly the way um this kind of stuff passes. You've got your standard run-of-the-mill. Oh, let's just all hold hands and sing. We've got to reach across the aisle, we have to work with Uh, The Democrats and the Democrats in our own party, including our own minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, in order to get things done. Well, guess what? The federal government is not supposed to be getting things done. For the most part, the federal government is supposed to not do things and supposed to keep things from happening. In fact, Thomas Jefferson sent Congress home after a couple months (laughs) during his first uh, term in presidency, during the first uh, Congress, I believe it was in his first term, because he said, if you sit around here, you are going to want to make more laws. So he disbanded them. He said, look, let's adjourn Congress. You can go home. Yeah. Um, So when conservatives, it's distressing when we see conservatives say that D.C. is broken because they don't pass more laws. That's appalling. D.C. is broken because they're passing too many and they're not stopping enough of the bad things that are happening.
0: There's a real fetishization of the idea of doing stuff. Right. And my bill got successful. It's a lot better. You know, the the Coolidge quote to paraphrase is, you know, I'd rather kill 100 uh, bad bills than pass one good bill, I think really, really strikes home, right. uh, with me and a lot of, of folks like us who like, let's kill more of the bad bills. Um, certainly there's a time and a place for, uh, for, for passing legislation. Certainly. Um, but, it, but by and large, like let's kill the stuff and, you know, doing stuff will tend have lead us to bad consequences.
1: Yes. Yep, exactly. And so, you know, there's there's part of that reality. We can also look at um, some of the other statements, Biden coming in and saying that we're going to call on Congress to ban ghost guns, require background checks for all gun sales, ban assault, weapons, high capacity magazines, magazines, repeal gun manufacturers, immunity from liability. These are all dead on arrival in a mm-hmm. Democrat-controlled Congress, and they always have been. They were dead on arrival under Obama when he actually had real majorities to mm-hmm. deal to work with in his first term, uh, or the first uh, half of the first term. So – It's laughable. That's why he went on to talk about the budget, because he's telegraphing to all of, you know, oh, look, here's something we can actually do. The Democrats in Congress can pass this now because the president said that it is a way to fix Mm -hmm. uh, gun violence, to pass gun control, and then they can all go back and and give that to their bases. Um, So that's what's going on there.
0: Yeah, the, the, the lever of power is not going to wedge Joe Manchin over onto the gun control side. Uh, as he uh, as he uh, has firmly planted himself uh, uh, in the, this position of opposition to the Biden agenda, um, I, I think the the catch that there you know he's really teeing up the something in the budget uh, which maybe Manchin might support, um, but yeah but nothing we'll no no straight no straight uh, assault weapons ban is getting out of uh, <laughs> out of the Senate.
1: So much fun i'm pretty sure that political bruise that uh, we got to participate in leaving mm-hmm. on uh, joe manson's political backside still smarts when the in 2013 people start talking yep people start talking about gun control that's right joe Manchin uh, has a war wound that uh, does not go away that's right um so you know what there's what works you want to know what works get involved and cause problems For politicians that are trying to do bad things, make it hurt. And then when the weather changes and the president is calling for gun control and everyone's Mm -hmm. clamoring for it, which is this, this is a very small clamoring, but when that does come, because it is going to come, it could come before the midterms, it will almost certainly come soon after. Um, You need to leave enough of a political mark on these guys that they remember I don't know if it's still out there. I haven't looked for it recently, but there used to be a great video that Joe Manchin made in response to Luke and I and our friends at <laughs> NGR in which he dropped several naughty words to describe our activities yes. against his philandering with gun control. Um, still a really fun video.
0: That is the kind of trouble the, the good trouble uh, that we're interested in making on the show. And, and uh, uh, we're very proud of the work that we've done with Founders Promise Foundation, which is our uh, nonprofit that's dedicated to uh, educating and training Americans and conservatives across the country about the founding principles and how politics can win and conservatives can win as long as we are involved uh, in politics. Uh, we hope that you're enjoying the show. It's brought to you by Founders Promise. Um, If you like what you're hearing and want to support our efforts, you could drop a a couple of dollars in the tip jar. There'll be a link uh, in the description in the bio below um but we'd really appreciate uh uh your help to to continue to put, put out these podcasts and to and to grow our our network and to talk to more uh conservative leaders uh put on more trainings across the country if you're interested in sponsoring the show let us know uh you can send us an email and find the uh, find that on the website uh for the show which is also in the in the description below but we'd love to love to have your uh your organization sponsor uh sponsor this podcast uh through your tax deductible donation uh to the Founders Promise Foundation
1: Learn how to make trouble for people like Joe Manchin. There's a reason why he's now in the middle. And of course he comes from a conservative state, but it's also mm-hmm. because he's been spanked enough times to remember, oh yeah, don't go there. That that's hot. right. Let's not touch it. That's right. So more good news coming from state legislatures across the country. Um, our friends at uh, Young Americans for Liberty have been uh, and are actively supporting um Several different medical ethics uh, or, uh, pieces of legislation uh, restricting uh, vaccine mandates, requiring vaccine choice, and requiring uh, that uh, practitioners, accept, uh, excuse me, practitioners, et cetera, be allowed to uh, follow the consciences and not be forced to, for example, administer a vaccine to unwilling parties, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have uh, solid legislation proceeding in three different states in Missouri. Oh, I'm sorry, three pe- bills in two states, two bills in Missouri. Both have uh, passed the Senate committee. That was on Thursday last week. On Friday, we had a solid medical ethics bill um, pass a committee in South Carolina. Um, so hats off to yeah. uh, our friends at Yale. Great job, guys. Perfect example of causing trouble, cheerfully, And doing so using direct voter contact
0: good trouble real good trouble i think a lot of times it's easy for for us and for um for conservative actors for liberty-minded folks to get kind of caught up in the national um picture certainly there's a lot of things we should be paying attention to nationally but there's a lot of good stuff that's happening on the state level um that groups like young americans for liberty are are actively working for and this is real encouraging uh, to hear that we we've got a bunch of uh, sort of responses to the COVID tyranny, we have some medical that's freedom right. bills on the moves. That's that's uh, that's good to hear.
1: Other good news from last week: uh, twenty five constitutional carry states. Uh, now, Woo-hoo. of course, uh, limp wristed Governor Kemp in in Georgia, who's probably uh, he he's definitely at the top of the list for uh, for worst or towards the top of the list for worst <laughs> Republican governor in the nation. Um, but he was forced to sign a bill. That's not a perfect bill. Definitely has its mm-hmm. holes and its problems. But hats off to our friends at the National Association for Gun Rights. Hats off to the uh, Georgia gun owners in Georgia and Amen. the organizations there in state that have uh, worked for decade or a decade to pass this legislation. Um, pretty great stuff to see it going down. Um, it's uh, half the state, half the nation. It's real exciting.
0: Uh, it's real exciting. And, and who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Kemp has sealed his primary victory. Uh, as the ink dries <laughs> on his, uh, we'll see, Probably. Uh, there's a reason, yeah. um, there's a reason he was very vocal about, uh, wanting to sign this legislation throughout the process. Um, and he's, he's facing a primary challenger. This goes back to something we're, we're going to talk right. a lot about on the show, how, um, primary campaigns can really drive, um, the public policy agenda.
1: Yep. Texas last year. Uh, yep. Georgia this year, governor signed them because of primaries, hands down. Right. And it doesn't have to be this year either, though it helps a lot. You'll notice sure. that the good bills tend to pass right before uh, the primary. Yeah. So there you go.
0: This is very fortuitous to be talking about constitutional carry because uh, our guest today, uh, Joe Neville. Now, I, I should preface this by saying that I did record this before uh, Georgia passed and was signed. Um But we go in depth in the fight that that N.H.R., the National Association for Gun Rights, have been uh, been doing on constitutional carry the last couple of years. And there's been a lot of success. We've seen Indiana and we've seen Texas, uh, Utah. We we get into some of the details which are really uh, exciting. So it was was great to visit with Joe. And I'm very excited to uh, to share my interview with uh, with him now. Welcome. I am very, very happy to have my good friend uh, Joe Neville uh, joining us today on the podcast uh, Joe is the uh, vice president at the National Association for Gun Rights. Joe has been a, a long time uh, soldier in the in the fight for freedom and liberty uh, in Colorado and across uh, across the nation. So, welcome, Joe.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on, Luke, and just glad to be glad to be on. That's great. I I
0: got to kick it off. Obviously, this has been really a a, a banner year for um, for. <laughs> for uh, gun rights enthusiasts, for uh, lovers of the Constitution. You know, let's let's talk a little bit about constitutional carry. Obviously, uh, as at this time of recording, Indiana has just signed, uh, uh, Governor Holcomb has just signed, uh, Indiana has become the 24th state. Uh, I know that you guys at uh, NHR have, have really spent a significant amount of time uh, over the last uh, probably 10 years, really, uh, working on constitutional carry in Indiana and some other states. Tell, tell me a little bit about how that uh, that all went down this week. This week and this month, oh, it's
2: been it's been a wild ride in Indiana. It, our um, our director of uh, field operations, Brendan boudreaux has been working in the field as you know for a long time. He calls it as Vietnam for a reason because it's been, <laughs> it's been like that bad penny that we've had to go back to over and over and over again, um, which is crazy because Indiana uh, per capita has one of the highest concealed carry permit holders in the country, a group of permit holders, and so to think that they didn't have constitutional carry already is it was crazy in our opinion, but it's been yeah almost a ten year fight back in 2013, 2014. I can't remember now I can remember having those initial conversations twenty fourteen I believe um, to start really kicking it into gear and we didn't we didn't see it happening right away and then this last year just seeing it break open has been awesome to watch and it's good for the people of Indiana
0: yeah what 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 is this uh, what, what do you ascribe uh, you know obviously when we when we were working together at NHR and, and, and and getting started, you know, 15, 10 years ago, that this was um, Mm -hmm. a lot of work. You know, we did a lot of work on changing permit laws and lowering fees and training requirements and things like that. And there really in the last, I would say probably 10 years has been at this really uh, significant shift in, in the public policy across the country um, to, 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 you know, we're at 24 states, possibly 25, half the country. Yeah. If if uh, Georgia uh, passes their bill, um, you know, what what do you kind of ascribe that that success and that sort of very significant sea change in in policy?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that, I mean, as as you know, when I first started in gun politics, I've been in politics for a long time. When I first got into gun politics, uh, we were we were sitting around, I think, four states. And, yeah. and then just it's just kind of built up over time. But I, I think there's a lot of things that go into play. Obviously, the political environment has changed quite a bit. Uh, Joe Biden on the federal level is pushing for gun control left and right. Can't stop talking about it at the state level. Then people are like, hey, now's the time to act at the state level to get things done. So I think you're seeing some state politics that are trying to compete with and actually make sure that the policies are being put in place to counter Joe Biden in a way as well. Um, but also it's I think it's you can't discount the years of work that it's taken. I mean we started out as you mentioned pushing shallow issue carry for a number of years. I remember being a little kid and that was what we wanted was shallow issue. Right. Just the fact just the opportunity to beg government to be able to carry a gun was where we were at. Now we're now we're saying actually you know what that Second Amendment that, that we want, we want it. We, want, we actually wanna carry a firearm. We don't wanna to have to beg government for permission. We're not bad people, we're law abiding citizens just let us have our constitutional rights. So you're seeing people actually step up now and it's becoming more and more popular. And I think last year was kind of the wave, right? Like you saw all of a sudden Montana kicked in and then Utah and so on. And then all of a sudden we have Texas and Greg Abbott. A lot lot of people people people,
0: live in Texas.
2: (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people live in Texas, (laughs) a lot of gun owners live in Texas and for years, We were, you know, uphill going. We were moving uphill against Greg Abbott, who is not our friend. But all of a sudden, Greg Abbott wants to run for president. He wants to be popular. You know what? We don't care why they pass good policy. We're just glad they did it. So we got we put a lot of pressure on the grassroots. Got involved. Um, Millions of gun owners and uh, National Association for Gun Rights members jumped up and stood up and got involved with the grassroots, and they passed it. And now you're seeing it become more of a populist movement that. Guess what? There's not all these crazy shootings in the streets. It's not the <laughs> wild, wild west. People are actually able to um, act responsibly and still be able to protect themselves when they're out with their families in the streets. So, it's been, it's been, I, I, oh, yeah. I think
0: you've you, you made a great point there um, when you when you were saying that you, it doesn't really matter as far as us changing public policy. Um, you know, we don't really care why they yeah. support the, the good legislation. You've you've done a lot of work. You were in Kansas on the ground there. Um, you know, you, you, have you've worked in, in other non-gun related issues as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what about that is so powerful, this idea that, you know, we're not really there trying to, to, um, change their minds, right? We just want them to vote, vote the right way. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, if you want to be disappointed, then, then follow politicians and fall in love with politicians. They're going to disappoint you. Um, Amen, because, brother. you know, we've run campaigns. Um, I've run campaigns for people that were amazing at first. And then five years later, I'm looking at it, go, what did I do? Uh-huh. Uh, so I've learned, you know, you know, that it's just best to follow the policy and, mm-hmm. uh, follow your principles and the things that matter. And so at the end of the day, I just want them to vote, right. And I want them to pass good policy with teeth in it, things that I care about. If they do that, that's all. I'm glad. I'm happy they've done their job. They've, the politicians have done their job if they do that. And so I'm looking for policy. Not really. I don't really care much for the the idea of this <laughs> grandiose politician. I want good policy that my kids and grandkids can live in a better, more free free country. Basically,
0: I, I think that's really central to the the success that we're seeing. Um, across the country, yep. um, you know, t- tell us a little bit. What, what what's the outlook in in Georgia? We know that you know the the maybe headed to conference committee. I, I haven't I haven't checked this week. What what's the what's the prognosis on State Twenty Five?
2: Yeah, so they're they're trying to head it back to conference committee. There were some bad amendments and some dirty language that was put in the bill. Uh, this happens in every single state we go to. Uh, in Alabama and Indiana, who just passed, they've been signed by the governor now. It seems like the bill started out great and then goes through this transition of just being butchered and all this poisons added into it. And then we have to go back and clean it all up and cut it out and then put a good bill forward. Um, fortunately, we were able to do that there. We're, we're now in that tenuous stage in Georgia where everything is a little mucky and murky and it's time to clean it up or they're going to put bad policy forward. We'd rather just die. We want to see good, clean bills get put forward. So that's where we're at now. We're trying to make sure we can get a clean version. And hopefully we get a clean version that can go to the governor's desk. He said that he will sign whatever comes to his desk. We'll see, um, but sure, yeah, we don't care. Just sign it if it's a good bill. So
0: do, uh, uh, and obviously, uh, Governor Kemp has a has a contested primary. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. Um, um, Abbott had a primary when he uh, signed constitutional carry. Let's talk yep. about the the importance of of putting sort of grassroots pressure on the on the politicians. You know, what 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 kind of what a factor do you think that, that plays in, in passing it's, good policy like this?
2: It's it's funny um, how politicians start wising up and doing the right thing when all of a sudden they feel like they might lose their jobs, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was definitely the case in uh, with Abbott. Um, great example. Back in Texas, you know, last year when we are pushing the Texas constitutional carry bill, all of a sudden you get Don Huffines jumping into the race to primary him from the right. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you get uh, Alan West, who is a very popular figure, and he's the state party chair at the time. He's done a number of things. A lot of people know him, great ID. Uh He comes out supporting the bill as well. And so you got Don Huffines and Alan West supporting constitutional carry. And here you got Abbott sitting back going, well, I better sign it now. I better support it now because you don't want to lose the pro-gun vote if you're running in a Republican primary. Uh, I would argue that the same thing is going on right now. That's what happened in Ohio. Uh, All of a sudden you see some people jumping up into a primary there uh, and then all of a sudden they're signing a bill there. Uh, It just moves numbers. So the fact of the matter is if you want to see politicians react, um, you know, having a primary opponent uh, doesn't hurt. It actually pushes them to do good things for our movement and for the base, for the party.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think uh, a lot of people get kind of caught up in this binary. Mm -hmm. You know, we if we don't get elected then we don't win. Um, yep. in the case, the, the, the fact of the matter is often just by running these races, just by running a primary, you can, you can affect, um, the outcome, the public policy outcomes, mm-hmm. uh, and still get a win. Even if you, um, you don't become the, the elected official, um, so to speak, you've seen that mm-hmm. a lot, uh, look at the, in, look in at the, the presidential States.
2: races from, I mean, a number of years ago, you could look at, um, I can think of two right offhand: hand, Tom Tancredo and Ron Paul, both, both running for presidential elections were, you know, early on, they didn't mm-hmm. didn't really look like they had a shot. But we're talking about the Federal Reserve becoming popular all of a sudden because yeah. Ron Paul runs for president. His issue came to the forefront. Uh, same thing with Tancredo and immigration. People would argue that same thing there. And we've seen that, that situation on the left as well. So it, it, it doesn't matter. The best way to get your policies out front is to make sure that you have people pushing it that are running for office. Yeah, so, absolutely. Keep pushing it forward. You know, get people involved in primaries is a good thing. And it's fun to it's fun to be. Involved
0: in <laughs> it sure is. Um, <laughs> talking about uh, about primaries, you've run a lot of campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, you've worked with uh, uh, House Republican caucuses, you know, walk, walk, walk our listeners, uh, a lot of whom are first time or thinking about running uh, for office. What, what are some of the, the pitfalls, uh, the challenges that you've run into with, with sort of state level campaigns? um, in in your experience?
2: Uh, I mean, some of the, if you're getting ready to run for office, one, I'll tell you right off the bat, don't do it yourself. Um, you know, (laughs) I have, you know, as you know, my brother, my dad, my aunt, a ton of my family members have run for public office. I've been smart enough to actually know that's not where I belong. Um, (laughs) but they did, you know, and, and so I have a lot of friends that have run and I'll tell them all the same thing. Um, whether you're paying somebody to help you or if you're running for something really small city council or whatever at least have somebody that can be your eyes and ears that can help keep you focused on keeping the trains moving on time. Uh, Cause you get these people that, from the grassroots, especially in our conservative movement. Um, they mean well, but they think they can do it themselves. You can't. Yeah. Um, it, there's just too much stress. There's too much involved. You need another person to help guide you and help manage the whole thing. So one, get help. Uh, that's the biggest pitfall I see, especially in the Liberty movement is people trying to go it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, two, you you, have, you need to stick to your principles. We we believe in good things. We believe in issues that really matter. The Second Amendment matters. First Amendment matters. Free speech matters. Um, when you're talking about some of these liberty issues that are popping up right now on freedom issues, they matter. And the public, they support those issues. So don't shy away from them. Just make sure that you're, you know them clearly and that you're speaking to the audience on those issues. Don't shy away from them. Uh, and then finally... Get your grassroots involved. I mean, the one big thing I see is these politicians or these candidates, they think they can um, they can pull magic out, right? They can yeah. pull that rabbit out of a hat. They're going to win an election by being clever on Facebook or social media <laughs> or whatever they're going to do. It's like, no, you're not. Um, you It's blocking and tackling. It's really just doing the basics. And that means get volunteers involved. Get your people involved. Um, but, yeah, so get somebody – Get somebody to help you. Hire somebody um, that knows what they're doing. Don't pretend yeah. like you know what you're doing. Um, stick to the principle, your principles, to the issues that matter, and make sure you use your grassroots and get the grassroots involved because the base is what's going to keep you going. So, Absolutely. those would be my three top three issues I'd go with. That, that's
0: uh, that's really sound sound advice. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that that your family has been a, a, l- a little bit involved in politics. Yeah, just a little. Say.
1: Um
0: yeah. ha- ha- as an observer and and a professional, have you seen significant differences, uh, say, between your aunt's school board race and your your or your mm-hmm. brother running for state house or your father in the state senate? Are are there are there fundamental differences between these campaigns on the more local level, or is it just all kind of understanding blocking and tackling? It's
2: blocking and tackling. I mean, you obviously have different issues at stake, and um, the polling numbers, by the way, they matter too because that's what the audience cares about. That's right, uh, but yeah, you run for school board, you're probably going to be talking about education issues above all. You're not going to probably talk about constitutional carry um, all the time or at all if yeah. you're running for school board. Um, As much as that would be fun for me, but it's not the case. Right. But yeah, you might change some of the, the issues might change because the audience is not concerned with those issues as much for school board or city council. I mean, I had a city council race I worked on where the number one issue for the city council was the sprouts. They got popped up in the middle of town. That's people are mad about the sprouts getting special treatment over right. you know, mom and pop natural grocers, um, or you have these cities that I've seen where they monopolize trash pickup. You know that's more important to the people in the city on the city council race than maybe my constitutional carry issue. Right? I mean, it's just the way it is. Sure. So some of the issues change, but really the the mobilizing grassroots and uh, talking to voters and raising money, I would say number one above all all those three things I mentioned, yeah. you have to raise money no matter what you're running for, because you're not going to get your message out if you don't actually raise money. So, you mean
0: you're not going to win with hopes yeah. and dreams, Joe?
2: No hopes and dreams.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, I've, I've never seen anybody win with zero dollars in their coffers. So. Uh,
0: it's crazy how that works. <laughs> it's crazy how <laughs> right. that works. Although, I, I, you know, I think it is it is important for us to, to say to a, a wider audience that, um, you know, kind of in my experience, and I'd, I'd love to hear what you, what you think is, is an opportunity our side, the the kind of grassroots conservatives, um, we are often outspent. Oh yeah, um, even though even though we 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 can win, we we tend to have the grassroots support, the the volunteers yes. that many in the establishment don't. Uh, they may have the funding, but you 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 can't replace that uh, the, that grassroots effort uh, even with with the the a lot of money.
2: Absolutely, no, I'd say that's one hundred percent correct. Uh, Grassroots support. I mean, I've I've run campaigns where we've been outspent three to one, and we've yeah. won. Um, I know you have too. And it yeah. it it really comes down to the fact that I think that that volunteer that equates to also money. Um, volunteers equal money that you might be spending for mail. Now you have door knockers that are volunteering. You're not paying for door knockers. You have people stuffing envelopes that normally you'd have to pay a mail shop to do all that work. Uh, there's a lot of things that you get out of a grassroots campaign, but I'd also say that um, it's an easier to sell from our side, from our liberty circles, from our conservative circles. People, you know, especially in primaries, people care about the issues that we care about. And overall, right. I would say that most Americans, um, yeah, they say that, yeah, you got the split, but people in general, they're they want to be left alone. they they want they want freedom. For the most part it may look different to them than others but yeah people want freedom so our messages are pretty easy to sell for just out there pushing them and selling them right and the grassroots helps with that so you can be out spent two to one but you can't have zero you gotta have something <laughs> you, so, yeah hopefully.
0: you gotta yeah. you gotta have something to, to hand out at the doors right uh,
2: exactly yeah you gotta print yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> no some kind cool. of a, a flyer right
2: <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, hopefully in color at some point. You
0: know, it helps to have a, a nice color picture of the candidate. Yeah. And a couple of
2: oh uh, <laughs> no, I work for a couple of candidates. I don't want their picture on there,
0: though. Well, that's <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> what what are um, you know what are what are some things um, that might surprise sort of people who are getting into politics just now um, and who maybe are sort of late late uh, adopters of the the Make America Great movement and, and maybe came into more recently with, with Donald Trump, what, what are some things, you know, you've, you've been doing this for a long time. What are some things that would surprise um, sort of a, new, a newcomer to the political scene uh, that you've kind of run across in your, in your experience?
2: You know, I can only speak from, I mean, for me personally, I think it was the, um, the disappointment in people in general, you're going to get disappointed. Like people were all, um, we all have feet of clay. And so we're, we're all going to make mistakes and there's no difference for politicians and politicians are also going to make mistakes and um, they're going to sell out. There's going to be politicians that sell out on you. And I think that uh, one of the things that surprised me was how many people run for office at first and they, you know, you have all these high hopes. And then all of a sudden you realize they're not perfect. There is no perfect elected official out there. um, Unfortunately. And so that, that's one. And two, I think um, it would also surprise me is there's always hope, right? Like even yeah. when you, even when we get crushed, we have really bad years like this last election. I mean, that was, that was pretty tough. And I mean, there is like this mass exodus of all these people will never be involved in politics again. And it's like, right. okay, but guess what? Now we passed eight constitutional carry bills. I mean, more than, well, we're looking at getting almost 10. We might have 10 by the end of this year which is crazy. 10 in two years might be, that's crazy
0: to me. It, it, I can't, I, I can't fathom it. I mean, yeah, it's,
2: it's when, ten when, you know, when we
0: started out and it was, it was yeah. Alaska, um, you know, which is, you know, crazy. There's more bears in Alaska. I like to joke with people than <laughs> our people. So of course they should have guns and Vermont yeah. is just its own crazy thing. Um, and yeah, then when, you know, we're looking you at Arizona like, and Wyoming and, you know, you this guys were is
2: celebrating working Wyoming. Wild. that was a big deal.
0: Yeah um it, it it super encouraging i yeah. i i think um and 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 just kind of speak about uh a, a lot of folks were were pretty pretty down about the election um mm-hmm. and and you know there there are a lot of of things reasons to cause concern potentially um which I always try to remind people you know just because things don't maybe look completely above board that's not a an excuse because if you drag those those theories kind of sure. out to their logical conclusion is that we'll just not be involved in politics anymore. Right. Right. Um, exactly. Uh, that which we don't, we don't want. Um, mm-hmm. how, what are some of the ways we, we, we kind of really want to dig in on the show and, and, and encourage folks. What, what are some of the things that you do? Obviously you're very engaged in politics um, and the public policy process. How do you stay sane? How do you stay not negative? How are things not <laughs> crazy? Uh,
2: how do you how do you how do you keep your head above water, so to speak? Um, I remember that there's also more to life than just the political world. First of all, um, I, you know, I'm a Christian, I, so I I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So at the end of the day, I have that as my falling spot. Always, I will always lean on that first and foremost, knowing that my hope is in Him, not not in this, not in everything that we do. Politics. Now, at the same time, I think that we are called. At least I am called. Um, to be the hands and feet and help work in that realm. That's where I'm called to. So that's, for me, my mission. But I think to stay sane, you know, you have to surround yourself with some normalcy, too. Like, um, you know, I get these volunteers. They get involved in politics. The next thing you know, that's all they do. Uh, They show up to every event. And at first, you're like, man, these people are just really motivated. I'm getting paid. So, like, I'm I'm watching these volunteers just their whole life is becoming politics. And I'm like, man. Go to go to a you know go to a football game, go to a yeah. baseball game, go do some other things um, just to get rude. Go to church, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I Amen do those things. Family, spend time with your family. <laughs> I mean, they're important and they need you. Uh, so that's some of the stuff I do. But I also look at um, I, I study a lot of history and know that we are blessed in this country and that if you know, so far at least as we are right now, things will balance out as we're seeing. Yeah. Joe Biden and the Democrats took over everything at the federal level. Well, at the state level, we're crushing it. I mean, we're getting good constitutional carry bills passed left and right. Uh, you're seeing a lot of other conservative issues that are actually passing legislation. Um, we're actually seeing the pro-life movement. I'm watching those guys too. And oh, for sure. They're 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 doing great things right now. So, I mean, there is always tomorrow, and this is a long-term game. It's not a, you know, it's cliche, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I lean on that and I lean on my faith and I lean on my family and I try to have a lot of fun. I go skydiving, I snowboard down mountains and I do all sorts of other fun things too.
0: So I, I think that balance is really important um, to kind of remember, particularly when, you know, you, you, the days are shorter in October and November as we're getting up to election day. I read a, a, an interesting thing. Um, I, I, I try to read a lot of, of stuff that our opponents write. And so, yep. I, you know, I read uh, Axelrod's book about the Obama campaign, mm-hmm. um, among others. And I, I was kind of interested. He talked uh, about uh, being envious. Uh, apparently, Michelle was insistent that on the campaign trail in 08, that uh, Obama got healthy food. And so they would special order uh, you know vegetables and chicken and salads and things like this and the rest of the campaign was eating you know their 12th day in a row pizza. of pizza and hamburgers <laughs> and and even Axe Rod who maybe not the, the most uh, fit person uh in the world was was looking enviously at the at Obama's chicken and vegetables <laughs> um, you know i i think that's uh particularly for candidates is one of those things it's like really important like you have you need to if you yep. exercise regularly, you need to keep up that, um, that practice and you need to eat cleanly. Um, you know, what, what are some other tips that you, yep. you know, particularly with your family? Um, you know, cause that, that's a lot of these folks on yep. these, these starting out on their campaigns, it's going to be them and their spouse and their, you know, friends, you know, what, what's some other advice you might, you might give them, um, as they're getting in, kicking off their campaigns or thinking about getting involved yeah. in, in running for office.
2: Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Cause we work with some of the, smartest people I've ever worked around that, you know, CEO types, right? Yeah. Um, These guys, they have crazy schedules in their normal life. And then they maybe retire young and decide to run for office. And then all of a sudden they don't know how to control their schedule anymore because they're running for office. And I'm like, it's not much different than your personal life. Like you need to make sure you have everything calendared out. Like that's the first thing I always tell the candidates like, all right, let's sit down with you and the spouse and, What's your calendar look like? Uh, make sure the calendar is really organized and include the important things. Church, uh, meals with your family. Um, in my family, we had breakfast. It was like, that was our big thing. Dinner was not going to happen. Like we were right. at events, we were all over the place, but we could do breakfast. We could do, we could do a 7 a.m. breakfast. We could do a 6 a.m. breakfast. Yeah. We could always make that work. So you know, I was living 45 minutes away from my dad when he's running for state senate. But when I was running the campaign, I would make my trek down early just so that my mom could have breakfast together. And I mean, she overfed us first thing in the morning. It was awesome. <laughs> we had all the kids there. It gave my dad some no- normalcy with the the whole family being around, eating breakfast, praying together um, mm-hmm. and just, you know, just eating together, sharing a meal together. was huge. For sure. uh, working out, uh, you know, can't. most of the candidates I work with, for whatever reason, they all seem to be you know, they have some workout routine, whether they're running or they're at the gym, lifting weights, whatever it is. Um, one guy does jujitsu that I know that's running for office. It's like, yeah. you know, if I need to go to the gym with you, I'll go with you, but you need to right. continue working out your hour a day. Uh, those are important. And the same goes for the volunteers. Um, if you're managing volunteers, make sure the volunteers also know, like, kick them out of your office every now and then say, Hey, you guys need to go home and yeah. You know, we'll do some shifts and get people involved, keep everybody fresh. So I'd say calendar is like one of the biggest tips that I can think of is making sure everything's sure. scheduled out.
0: That's really uh, that's really good advice. Well, I, I, I want to wrap up here, but um give us give us a little something. What what should we be excited about? What should conservatives be engaged in um you know, going into the summer and and you know, maybe peeking ahead uh, to November. I mean, what, what what are the th- what what should we be excited about and what should we be doing?
2: You know, I don't want to, I don't want to get too crazy here, but I'm really excited about this next election. I mean, I love good policy, but I think I almost enjoy the fight of getting into an election more. Oh yeah. We're seeing some really good numbers. I know you're looking at some numbers probably too right now, and they're just really good right now. We have an opportunity to take some federal ground back. Um, But there's some other things too, like on the policy side, constitutional carry, you mentioned Georgia and Nebraska is not far off. Um, We've been fighting with Nebraska for a long time because they have this crazy yes. camera legislature. It's it's nonsense how they set things up in Nebraska, but they might actually do it this year. So you might get Georgia, Nebraska. We pass those two. Um, come back next year after the election. Things are looking good election wise. Hopefully, we can take out that crazy lady in Michigan um, mm-hmm. and get a and get a conservative governor up there, or at least you know a Republican governor. Uh, that would help. All of a sudden, Michigan becomes in play for constitutional carry. Wisconsin, same thing. Pennsylvania, same thing. And then also Louisiana is right there. We've already passed it there. We might even pass it again this year. The only thing that's um, stopped it from becoming law is a veto from the governor. So right, a new governor. We have constitutional carry in Louisiana. New ball game. New ball game. We might be looking at 30 states. 30 states with constitutional uh, carry. Uh, Over 100 million people already have constitutional carry in this country. And we might be looking at even more. So.
0: If that's not a reason to be excited about uh, the way public policy is going, regardless of who's in the White House, um, I I don't know what is. I think um, uh, it's really a time of opportunity for uh, folks on our side, as long as we're willing to keep doing the work, which I think is, you know, that's a a huge part of it. You know, we got to be ready to uh, to do the labors. But, you know, I know you are and and I am and and I, I know a lot of our listeners are willing to. So. Um, you know, what w- what would you say do we need to check out as far as NAGR goes? Give us give us the elevator yeah. pitch on on uh, uh the best gun group in America. Oh yeah. Um, and where where to find uh where where to find out more information about about NAGR.
2: Absolutely. Best gun group in America and I appreciate that because it is. Um it's no org or gunrights.com, either one of those, and you can you can go visit those two those that website. Uh get involved, volunteer, sign up. Um right now we're at over four and a half million um, members and supporters strong and we want everybody involved in the fight the more people we have involved the more politicians are going to listen because that means that there's that just that many more people that are ready to fight the good fight so get involved gunrights.org, gunrights.com. uh sign up donate there's no limit on how much you can contribute so get involved today
0: absolutely uh all right i want to thank you joe uh it's always good to visit with you and uh we'll probably have to have you back on when we when we're closer to 30. Uh, Three yeah. constitutional carry states. Yeah, buddy. All right, thank thank you. Thank, thank you, Luke. Wow, Joe, what a what an interview.
1: Joe is one of my favorite humans. Um, probably met him twelve, fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. um, starting in politics where we all start as a, mm-hmm. as a flunky working to man tables and hand out literature and stuff mail. Um, and now he's the vice president of the National Association for Gun Rights and just doing a bang up job. A man who loves God and loves his family and uh strives to keep priorities straight so
0: yeah i think you you can really see that when particularly when he's talking about uh the the ways that they stay that he and his family um who are obviously very politically involved how they stay sane by making that time um to be together whether it's you know on the campaign trail when they were all all running together and 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 finding time for breakfasts um you know with his with his mom and his dad or 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 um making those choices to, to put family first when it, when it needs to happen. You're here. Yeah. So we hope you, uh, you enjoyed this episode. We are very, very excited about, uh, uh, what you guys are doing. Let us know what kind of trouble you're causing, uh, drop a comment down below. We'd love to, to hear, uh, what you guys are up to, what kind of, uh, campaigns and and projects you're working on. And we hope you'll go out and make some, uh, some happy trouble this week.